All right, today we are talking about preparing for the conversation before the conversation. After asking our leaders to pick a few topics that they'd love some help leading others in, many said they'd love some content about preparing for the conversation in advance. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Eric is our executive pastor here at the Summit, and he's been serving with our church for 15 years now, and he's led our group's ministry for five of those years. He is the husband to an impressive wife, Carisha, for more than 28 years. He's the father to two pretty great adult sons, and he's got a degree from Wingate University and MDiv from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, a doctorate of ministry from Fuller Theological Seminary, and as well, he's got his coaching certification from Georgetown. He also owns a coaching practice where he helps businesses, ministry teams, and individuals identify and reach their full potential. So I'm basically saying Eric is kind of a big deal, and I'm honored that you're sitting here having a conversation with me today. So thank you so much. Well, I am so glad to be here. I'm not a big deal, but thank you for your kind words. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, Before we jump in, I'd love for people to know one thing about you that they may not know about you. Tell them one thing that's Mm, yeah. So one thing about me that people may not know is I'm kind of a shoe freak. Like I love shoes. Yeah. And, um, I, if, if you could see my closet, I'm a little embarrassed at, at what I have. Um, I had to build my own shelf mm. in my closet because <laughs> I have more shoes than my wife. That was, that was my next question. <laughs> if I was going to ask Krisha, does she yes. have more shoes than you or do you? Um, so I easily have more shoes than her and I buy her shoes too. Oh man. And so she loves it when the Amazon guy comes <laughs> and she has her shoes. Cause I'll, you know, I kind of know her taste, her style, yeah. her style, all that kind of stuff. And I'll buy her some, but I, you know, I often thought about, you know, if I were to, create a my own shoe store okay right and so here's what i would name it (laughs) okay i would name my shoe store keep off the grass keep off the grass off the grass because i never walk in the grass with shoes on okay i don't want to get them dirty you don't you're not about that new balance (laughs) green streak right now now i will tell you that obviously i have my shoes that i cut the grass in and those are the only those are the only shoes yeah. that I would ever walk in the grass with. Yeah. But if I had to, if I literally had on a pair of shoes and I had to walk through the grass, I would probably take them off mm-hmm. or I would, uh, yeah, I just, I just wouldn't do it. And <laughs> okay. it was so funny as Cresha now is uh, sensitive to it now. So I'll joke her whenever I see her outside and we're outside, we're doing something together and I'll go, um, are you walking in the grass with your shoes? <laughs> Some would call that bougie. <laughs> But I'm not, there's a, no judgment someone here. Someone called a sickness. <laughs> sickness. Judgment-free zone. Hey, right. let's jump in because we've got some great conversation today. The reason why I asked you to come have this conversation with me, Eric, is because this topic of having the conversation before the conversation is one where I have learned a lot from you personally at. And um, in fact, and it was hard to limit it down to just five, but I would love for us to talk about five great things 
things that leaders do to prepare for the conversation today. And to get us kicked off, um, we're going to start off with the first one. These are not in any particular order, but I think they're all really, really powerful. One of the things that I've seen you do over time, and I would love for you to speak into it, mm-hmm. is honor people's time. That's one thing great leaders do to prepare for the conversation. Yeah, I think honoring people's time is really, really important. I always know when somebody's honoring my time and I and I and I feel like I know it when they're dishonoring my time. And I always want to be that kind of person that um, is sensitive to people's time because mm-hmm. I think that's loving. I think that's um, being kind uh, to people by being sensitive to their time. Yep. And so by doing that, what I mean by that is being strategic Okay. So when you're, when you're talking with people or you need to have a conversation before the meeting or you're trying to deal with a situation, being prepared and being strategic is really, really important. And this could be if you're going to be talking to a family member, your son or daughter, your spouse, your, a group member, whatever the case may be. What is it that get clear in your mind what you want to communicate first? Mm-hmm. What is my goal going into this conversation? Yeah. A lot of us wing it, unfortunately. And when, and I've done that too. And when I, when I wing it, I often get into some, some difficult places in that conversation because I wasn't prepared. So yeah. I think being prepared, Hey, what do I want the outcome to be mm-hmm. in this conversation? What do I feel like God wants the outcome to be in this conversation and getting somewhat clear on that? So I've got some direction to move into. Yep. And, and I mean, let's just be honest. Sometimes you don't know what that outcome may be because it may be so complex or so just um, um, unusual territory that you're not quite sure what it should be. Mm-hmm. But that's few and far between. Most yeah. of the time, we kind of know what the outcome, but just at least do the due diligence, get clear in your mind. What do I feel like the outcome should be in this conversation? And how and how can I create a conversational map to get me there? Yeah, that's good. They and I, I think even when you don't know the specific outcome, one of the things I, I've noticed even about you is you still come with a general template, mm-hmm. a general roadmap of mm-hmm. how this conversation could go, and you play it down a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. And like, so you're prepared to go in either of those yeah. directions, yeah. even if you're not sure exactly where yeah. it's going to land. Um, number two is great leaders always have a plan for the meeting and you you just alluded to this a little bit mm-hmm. you said never wing it so what yep. what do you what do you think on that yeah so it's always good to have a plan when you're meeting with somebody and you're going to have a conversation um because the plan is going to help you ensure that you arrive at your destination mm-hmm. right not having a plan is and I've certainly made that mistake many times in conversations or or you know when I'm meeting with people or groups it it just people feel it when you don't have a plan mm-hmm. and and it starts feeling a little loose and the conversation goes you know everywhere I think internally it's always good to know what is my plan going in to have this conversation yeah and in even recognizing, okay, knowing the kind of person I'm talking to, h- how do I need to adjust my approach? So if I'm talking to Brian, 
um, how do I need to adjust my approach that's going to land with Brian? So mm-hmm. this topic, this my approach, the way that I'm going to bring about the topic uh, up to him, yep. um, the way that we're going to you know tackle this, you know, what's going to resonate most with him? Mm-hmm. Not all of us communicate the same way, right? So yeah. it's 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 the little things to thinking about. I've got to have a conversation with this particular person. Now, do I know them well enough to know even what approach I should use that's going to make sense? Some people are very direct people. Some people do not like that kind of direct communication. So being a student of the person you're talking to helps you create that plan that's going to resonate most with them. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, though, especially the last thing that you just said, being a student of the person you're talking to. Uh, Eric, I don't know if you remember this years and years ago, I sat in your office and was talking to you about the dynamic between me and my former boss and just wanting to have a great relationship with him. And you said, just be a student of him. And you said it like almost in a comical, but in a non cheesy way, you're like, just kind of learn to date your boss a little bit in a relationship. You you want to be a student of your Mm -hmm. wife, right? Yeah. And, um, and man, that, that is stuck with me a, yeah. long, a long way. The more that I'm a student, even of people in my family, people that I work closely with, people that um, that I'm in groups with, it, it just helps me choose a better path to be able to talk to them because I know them better. Yep. And, and, and if I know how they um, communicate, it helps me adjust my approach because just to say, well, I told them, yep. that doesn't that's that's not the wisest approach. Now, yeah. sometimes time dictates and urgency dictates, you know, how, what we're able to do. But if we're smart and strategic and we're communicating in ways that I feel like honor God, you know, God sent Jesus in a way that communicated with us. Right. Mm-hmm. We understood that. So if we're going to be good communicators, I think we've got to with our groups, with our family, with our whoever we're involved in. It's OK. And, and just from a group perspective, if I'm a group leader, knowing my group. And knowing that I need to communicate a message to them, what's the best way to communicate that? Yeah. You know, so just asking yourself and just at least entertaining that question mm-hmm. to, to uh, just cause you to think and choose the right approach. Yeah, because there's a big difference between saying something and someone hearing something. And That's you right. can You can just say it, but having like become a student of them, having built some relational equity mm-hmm. in their life yeah. and then saying it in a way that you know that they're going to receive it because you've been a student of them. Right. And you don't get to do this just by having one interaction with right. them. You got to get to know them. That's you know? right. That's right. And even just your example, sometimes um, not everything is worth a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Is this a, you know, 50 cent or $50 issue? You know, we have to make, we have to (laughs) kind of recognize that some things are okay in a text. Some things are okay in an email. Some things are not right. Mm -hmm. Some things need to be verbally said because people can hear our tone and those types of things. So, so our level of discernment in these situations, either going to help us or hurt us. If we're high discerning people, we're going to make better decisions because we're going to understand that better. The impact of that, um, if we have low discernment, we need to find a friend that can help us. Yeah, man. What you just said, I feel like needs to be a whole nother conversation. Is this a face-to-face conversation? Mm-hmm. Is this an email? Is this a phone call? Is this a text? Is this a DM? Yeah, <laughs> you right, know? right. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's a whole nother conversation. We need yeah. to come back and have okay. that one at yeah. some point. Um, <laughs> something else you that, you that I've learned about you about having a plan for the meeting 
and and I've heard you say this word multiple times in my office when you've been talking to me about about leading is anticipate the word mm-hmm. anticipate. Yep. Uh, you're you care a lot about that. Will mm-hmm. you speak into that some? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think good leaders anticipate. Right. Um, just like if you were to take your family on a vacation to Florida. You would anticipate everything you would need before you go on that vacation. I, we, we need to anticipate, you know, every so many hours we're going to stop for gas. You know, when are we going to need to stop for food? Mm-hmm. All those things we're going to need to pack because I anticipate going to the beach. We anticipate going to the water park. We anticipate, you know, yeah. going to the emergency, right? You know, I mean, what, what whatever happens on vacation, yeah. but, um, leaders and good leaders anticipate lots of different scenarios. So that they can plan for mm-hmm. and expect all those different types of scenarios to happen. And so when I anticipate um, a lot of different outcomes from a certain meeting, I am able to plan for how am I going to respond when that happens, yeah. right? Um you see this and like, I'm, I'm a big college football nut. So when you see, you know, defenses have to anticipate what, what are all the things this offense could do? Yeah. This offense could present to us. Mm-hmm. So if we anticipate that, you know, the running back, we anticipate the receiver doing something. We anticipate, you know, the offensive line shifting and blocking this way, you know, all the, our ability to anticipate allows us to expect lots of different, uh, um, potential outcomes yeah. that allows us to plan for and respond appropriately to that when we fail to anticipate it's like a huge blind spot yeah and we're flying blind and something will happen it'll catch us off guard oh my goodness i didn't anticipate that you know we've always you know we've all experienced that so yeah Yeah. well i don't know if anyone else is thinking this as you listen to it but it can feel at first glance like this feels like manipulation Mm. but i don't think it is because there's a good goal in mind and we're trying to get people better we're trying to help them we're trying to to move them move the team in a direction yeah and so um so man that's that's such a good thing though to just to have yeah a plan and and a purpose to keep the conversation just from going down lots of rabbit trails well brian you know here's something that happened uh, in a starting point group with me last fall is that you know, one of the things that you have to understand in a starting point is, is it may be the first time people have ever been in a group before mm. and they're not quite sure what to expect. Okay. And so as a leader, I have to kind of anticipate I've got some newbies in the room that have never experienced a small group before. Yeah. I have to anticipate a lot of blunt truth, maybe emotional stories, maybe it being completely quiet, like you have just to anticipate because you don't know what you're getting and what kind of experience people have had. Yep. And there was a, there was a unique experience that happened in, in our group where a young man, um, was extremely, uh, angry at God and, and, uh, was just asking a lot of questions to the group of, you know, why God allowed him to, uh, be in a very, very, um, a tragic, you know, car accident that really, you know, did some things to his body that have caused a lot of pain over the last few years. And he had just gotten baptized, you know, a couple of weeks before that happened. You could tell he was angry. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, you know, he asked this question out of anger to the group and the group was just stunned a little bit, uh, as, as he kind of was expressing this. And instead of me giving him a direct answer, um, because I honestly needed a few minutes in my mind to, to figure out, all right, God, how do you want me to respond to him in this moment? A, uh, a young woman in our group 
um, had a very, she, she began speak, uh, she spoke up and she said, you know what? I was in a very tragic car accident two years ago and lost my best friend and and my body's never been the same since as well. And, And so she shared her story and how God has comforted her through her experience. And she got up and said, Hey, can I just give you a hug for what you've been through? And Brian, the, the, the group was just stunned. It, it was, it was a moment where, you know, the Holy Spirit just kind of, just kind of took hold of the group and yeah. I didn't have to do anything. All, all I did was I said, Hey, would anybody else in the group want to respond to this before I do? Yeah. And, and, but it was just that, you know, it's, it's that time, that type of stuff you have to anticipate though. Because if I had had an agenda where I was just going to roll through my agenda and yeah. we, we weren't going to anticipate anything different, we could have missed that moment. Yeah. So as a leader, you have to kind of anticipate this could be an emotional night. This could be a, you know, this could be a very uneventful night. I mean, there's a lot or, or group experience, lots yeah. of different things, but just anticipating allows you to be prepared for whatever God wants to do. And I love that. That that's, that's one of the things you're anticipating that God may have a plan here that's outside of anything that I can think of, right. outside of anything that I've got going on outside of my curriculum. Yep. And um, man, just to be prepared that God may be working and most yeah. likely wants to work yeah. in, in any given yeah. situation that we happen to find ourselves in. Well, and one of the things that helps me, Brian, is take the pressure off yourself as a leader to, to recognize the Holy Spirit as the leader of that group. Yes. And take the pressure off yourself to have to say and do everything for the group. All you're trying to do is just gather people together and facilitate a a discussion by the by the leadership of the Holy Spirit and and just making room for him to work. I think it's just so important. That's so good, man. We'll put. I know just anytime I've ever led a group before in the past, I've I've often put a lot of unnecessary pressure on myself. So I'm glad you said that. I'm glad people are hearing that, mm-hmm. that, that y- yes, you said yes to leading this group. And yes, you were hosting it. You're rallying the troops, but, but the Holy Spirit is ultimately the Absolutely. leader of what's happening here or he should be. Should hey. be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another topic, another thing that great leaders do in preparing for the conversation is, I don't feel like I'm just going to start repeating myself here, but another thing, great thing leaders do in preparing for the conversation is they have the conversation before the conversation. Mm-hmm. They have that conversation that needs to happen before the conversation. Do you mind mm-hmm. talking into that a little bit? Yeah. So this is about being strategic again for your conversations. I remember one time, just to give you an example of what I mean by this, you know, having the conversation before the conversation is um, we were, uh, I was leading a group. And there was there was a particular a particular woman that every time we met for group, she just wanted to dump all of her complaints all over the group. Yeah. Every single time. And so it felt like every time I started our group, it just this wet blanket just got put over the group. I'm sure and, no one can relate to this. <laughs> it, just, whatsoever. it just hijacked my, my, my whole group yeah. to where I started watching. I started looking at people's body language and their faces every time she began speaking up. And, yeah. and I, and I lost the group in 10 minutes within the first 10 minutes of sitting down and getting everybody connected. I, I lost them. And like, eventually they're not going to come back. And, and they're, they're not going to come back as yeah. the leader. If you don't deal with that, 
they they won't come back. Yeah, people have enough negativity in their life anyway. They don't. They're not coming to a group and wanting to experience more of it. Yeah. So what I did is, um, I I called another couple in our group that was kind of our wingman. It's kind of our uh, I love it. Our uh, our our uh, our co leader. Yeah. And I just uh, we had dinner together and I said, Hey, listen, can y'all help me in the group? As a, when when she starts on her rant about all the terrible things in her life and her family and blah 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 blah, the the problem we're trying to solve is we got to keep the group positive. I'm not saying we don't be real. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I I need your help to keep the group upright so it doesn't yeah. sink. Because when you start watching people's body language and their faces when she begins talking, the the group's over. Yeah. And, and we're, we're trying to, I'm digging that out of a hole. So they said, you know what? Let's just kind of form a pact and let's just kind of sit across from each other so we can make eye contact with each other as leaders. And, and, and we will help each other navigate that and we will redirect the conversation. We'll pull other people in yeah. to talk more. We'll do all these other things. And so that conversation with that, with that couple, my, my co-leader couple before the, before the group meeting the next time was pivotal and it changed our group and immediately people began to to just get re-energized re-engaged with the group and it was a game changer so that's what i mean by having the conversation before the conversation yeah i'm gonna ask you something tough um Mm -hmm. so that lady the lady who brought uh, Mm -hmm. i'm just picturing eeyore from winnie the pooh (laughs) Okay. Yes. Uh, for for whatever reason. <laughs> yes. So, is there ever a time and a place where having the conversation before the conversation even involves her? Mm. Do you do you get to that place? Mm. Yeah. Because because you want to be sensitive. You you genuinely care about this person, but you also care about the trajectory of the whole group. Oh yeah. You know the dynamic of the group, and you care about her, and you still want her to be a part of the group. Yeah. Do, do you involve her in that? Do you? Do you kind of hope she understands the the shift as you as you try to navigate it with your wingman, so to speak, mm-hmm. or at, at some point do you end up just having that conversation with her? Yes, a great point. So here's what you need to understand as a group leader is um, when you do your job well in giving people a safe space uh, relationally, um, they are going to take advantage of that. Take advantage of it, meaning they're going to enjoy the benefits of what you're creating and they are going to open up and be transparent. Yeah. In other words, part of that, what you want is you want people to be authentic and real and genuine. Yeah, you and, want them to take advantage yeah, of it. Yeah, you want them to take advantage of that. Now, what happens is you cast a wide net when you do that because you're mm-hmm. going to get all kinds of emotions and experiences, positive, negative, you know, all the things that make us who we are, right? You, you get all that stuff. Um, there, there, there are levels of confrontation in this situation, right? So some people, some people, it, it, it it all depends on self-awareness. If, Mm -hmm. if there's a complete lack of self-awareness, it will require at some point a, a direct conversation with that person. Um, most people, when they begin to get the sense that the group is turning, they'll, they'll recognize that. And they'll roll with it. Yeah. The more self-awareness, the more that they're going to see the tide turning and they're just going to go with it. And they're Mm going to see what you're trying to do, see what the group's doing, and they'll follow the group. Yeah. The the less self-awareness people have, 
the more it might come to a private conversation offline yeah. to say, hey, listen, um, I, I've made some observations. And uh, my observation is when you begin down this road of negativity, what happens is I'm watching people and they're just tuning out. Yeah. So if you if you want to share, I want you to share. But can you help me by keeping it at, you know, yeah. this, you know, 30 seconds or, you know, whatever yeah. the case may be. But again, I think it's if you recognize there's a complete lack of self-awareness, getting some coaching on from you yeah. on um, on how they can approach that particular person directly yeah. um, is going to is going to be important. OK. And I love something that you said. and It was real small and you just glazed over. I don't want people to miss this. But what you did when you when it came to the point of having a conversation with, quote unquote, a, 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 someone that's not self-aware. OK. You didn't attack them and say, hey, I feel like. You're doing this or you're doing this or you said, I've made an observation mm-hmm. like I, I am noticing this. This is mm-hmm. not this is not a feeling. It's yeah. not a perspective of just someone else. It's it, it, it's not a hypothetical. Yeah. It's, hey, I've actually been paying attention to this. I kind of took notes and I've noticed this personally and I want to come to you directly. So that is gold. Yeah, because you're not accusing them, right? No, no. like no. And, and I've used this at work. I've used this in my family. I've used this phrase and all these, you know, delicate conversations I have to have with people. And, and one of the most difficult things, Brian, that I feel like as leaders we deal with is how do I bring this conversation up without making someone angry? Yeah. We're, we're all a little tense going into a confrontational yeah. conversation, right? And so, so the biggest challenge is we avoid it. Yeah. We avoid it. Because we, you know, choose the path of least resistance, who we are mm-hmm. as humans. But we avoid it because we don't want to start something. We don't want that person to get angry. We don't want to come off accusatory, blah, blah, blah. What I've heard is that little phrase, that little tool. Yeah. Hey, can I make an observation? Yes, you can make yeah. an observation. Uh, here's what I've observed. You know, and they can say, well, you know, that's not, I, I don't think that, well, okay, it's just an observation. Yeah. If okay. nothing else, you're getting them thinking exactly. about it now yeah. in a non-threatening way. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, all right. Just a few more topics, and I feel like we can go all day. But another thing that great leaders do, and and I've seen this kind of woven in through some of your other comments, is that they use discernment. Let's talk about the value of mm. discernment. Discernment is that skill and ability. I, I, I think it's a gift. I think it's a gift from God. Um, I think it's a skill that you can develop and grow and build like a muscle, but it's the ability to see what is not seen. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's that ability to see and notice what others may not notice naturally or what is just not naturally in plain sight. Yeah. So that ability to be able to read people read situations, um, be able to discern, hey, um, you know, people's behavior, uh, that ability to discern, okay, if, if, if this trend and pattern in my group continues to go on this way, here's what it's going to lead to, yeah. positive, negative. Um, that ability to discern um, how to approach someone in a conversation. Yeah. 
the higher you are in discernment, the more <laughs> um, spidey sense you kind of have <laughs> of, of yeah. just, oh, okay, this is, you know, this is what I feel like I need to do based yeah. upon what my discernment is telling me. Yep. Um, and so I think as leaders, um, uh, good leaders are high in, well, I, good leaders really try to grow their discernment ability because it helps them make yeah. wiser decisions. Um, if you struggle with that, um, you know, find a friend, find, you know, whoever typically, uh, your spouse is great at this. Crease yeah. is wonderful for me to be yeah. able to, I, I'll sometimes when I get home and I'm talking to her about a, maybe a work situation or something I'm dealing with leadership, I'll say, Hey, this is kind of what's going on. And I'm trying to process through what this means. And she can say, um, she, uh, she's, I think she's got a wonderful gift of discernment. She can say, here's what I think is going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I do the same for her. Sometimes we're too close to it. Sometimes we're too close to situations. Yeah. And it's hard for us to see, you know, what's going on. And sometimes our spouse or maybe a friend, somebody we trust is wise, who's a Christian. We can, we can run a situation by them to go, here's the situation. Help me see what I'm not seeing. Yeah. That's good. You, um, you had, we had this conversation, I think a few weeks ago in the office and we were talking about the value discernment. And sometimes you don't know that, you know, or you, maybe you, you've realized you're like, I'm not the greatest with discernment. And when it comes to being a leader, especially a leader in a group of people, the value of what I heard you say a moment ago, the wingman, mm -hmm. um, finding someone else around oh, you that does have a great gift of discernment. Yeah. And doing two things. One, leaning on that discernment, learning to trust that, but also, like, and I think I heard you say this just a moment ago, as a leader, if maybe if you don't have the greatest gift of discernment, you can grow in that mm -hmm. by relying on, on those that are trusted That's and right. that have that gift around you. Oh, yeah. And Brian, this is where this helps me is when I, when I walk away from a group situation, my discernment's telling me something. Um, it's not always right. But yeah. it's right most of the time. Yeah. But one way I check it is I'll go to other people in that group that, that I have a lot of respect for yeah. that are wise and I'll go, Hey, here's how things landed with me tonight. Did they land the same way with you? Hmm. Yeah. Eric, that, that really was, it, I, I felt that too. Or yeah, Eric, no, I, I, I feel like things went really well. And I don't think, you know, so, so, so checking that discernment too, yeah. I think is really important to just make sure, okay, here's what I sense and felt from that. Yeah. Um, but also want to be sensitive to the fact I could be wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. And, and finding those people, your wingman, you're talking about yeah. that co-leader, somebody that you just trust and respect and who's helping you kind of manage the group. Getting their opinion to, hey, here's what I sensed and felt tonight or today in our group. Did you feel the same? Yeah. And if so, let's get a plan on either, hey, let's accentuate that or let's, let's, let's solve that. Yeah. And if I can pause real quick and just kind of tack on that concept of wingman, you said something in, um, in a, a leadership meeting you had with a bunch of our leaders. And I heard you say it a while back that, and this is like super practical here, but that a, if you're going to have a wingman, an ally, someone that you're trusting to help you with, it's best in a group setting. If you're trying to help get them to help you, um, like navigate the conversation, consider even the location in the room. Oh, yeah. 
right? This is really important. So all right, here's one of the things I've learned. Get that person to sit directly across from you wherever you're sitting in a group. Um, it's especially if you're having to like solve an issue or something like that, because if they can sit directly across you, uh, across from you in like an, in your living room or, you know, wherever you're sitting, you're able to make eye contact with each other. And that eye contact is so important because if, if somebody's sharing something in the room that it's, it's maybe offensive. Your eye contact with one another needs to be, okay, we just recognized maybe we crossed the line and as leaders, we need to get this thing back on track. Or if somebody shares something so positive and helpful and it's a maybe a, a powerful moment that God's trying to do something, mm-hmm. you're making eye contact and going, okay, we need to, we need to pour gasoline on this. Yeah. Or we need to pour cold water on this. You know, we all, we always have a bucket of gasoline and cold water on yeah. us wherever we go. And so we pour gasoline on those, on those powerful and positive things and on those negative things as leaders, you know, it just makes you feel like, you know, when you've got somebody there with you to help you, it gives you more confidence. Absolutely. Walking into that. Absolutely. Let's talk about one more topic out of the five here. Um, the fifth thing that I think great leaders do well is, and this is something I've seen in you is you have predictable patterns. Mm hmm predictable patterns um and you can talk about a lot of different ways but i've heard you say this that predictable patterns build trust oh yeah you want to talk about that predictable patterns build trust um as a leader people need to see you as predictable so that they can trust you Mm -hmm. um predictable in um you know your routines as a group leader keeping things regular like keeping group meetings regular on the calendar um predictable um brian this is a important one to me too predictable in my and how i respond as an individual yeah um when people talk to me and come with me come to me with various issues and challenges or whatever is my communication predictable yeah um, can they, can they trust me? Am I level? Am I going to be really emotional with them? Or it, it's, am I going to receive this information in a way where they can, they can somewhat predict that I'm going to, I'm going to listen to them. Um, but the last thing I want somebody to think about me is if they were to bring me information and they would be worried about how I would respond to it. Mm-hmm. I want them to be able to trust me with information yeah. and predictable and in how I'm going to respond in yeah. terms of I'm going to be composed. I'm This is going to be thought out. This is going to be prayed over. This is going to be received uh, regardless of how, you know, painful or truthful or, you know, whatever. There's, there's a phrase that I've uh, picked up this past year that has spoken a lot to me routines create resilience Mm. say it again routines create resilience Mm. and what i mean by that is i'm going to deviate real quick from group life and i'll come back to in a minute but your routines in life help you become a resilient person yeah those things there are things that i have to do every day every day of my life for me to feel like i've got my life together Mm. um morning coffee with Carisha. Starting the day off, a uh, twenty-minute drive-in. I'm listening to something to feed my mind. Yeah, there's a thirty to forty-minute walk every day for me. Every day 
that I have to do to help me feel like I'm, you know, so there's, there's just certain predictable things that I have to do in my life to help me mentally, physically be in the place that I feel like I need to be in to do my best. Yeah. Groups are the same way. And the more predictable you are in, um, in how you're leading your group, even doing the same things as, um, like one of the, one of the things, same, uh, things that I love to do every time I lead a group and my group knows it. Hey, we're going to start our group with, you know, three, three questions. What can we celebrate? Uh, what's frustrating you and how can we pray for one another? Yeah. Every single group. It's predictable. Yep. And so those, those predictable patterns establish trust. People, um, learn how to feel us. You know, we all have a, a vibe that we give off to people and yeah. people begin as a group leader, you know, people, um, people develop a, uh, perspective and uh, of, of the kind of person that you are and what yeah. you want to communicate to them is, I'm predictable. You can count on me. Yeah. And that builds trust. And where trust, where, where there's trust, tr- everything hinges on trust. Yeah. Relationships are built there. People feel safe there. Um, growth happens where there's trust. Yep. Uh, this is why God asks us to trust him. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's all, it's all there. And, and for some people, trust comes very natural, very quickly. And for a lot of us, it takes a while. That's right. And so building these predictable patterns, mm-hmm. it, it's just going to, like you said, add gasoline onto that trust builder. It, right. It's going to build that battery of trust right. a whole lot faster. That's right. Um, this predictable patterns, Eric, like I know this is not a parenting podcast, yeah, but man, that is a good word for parents as well. Oh, you, yeah. you talked about not just, not just what we're doing, though that is important, but how we receive information, how we receive conversation, how we receive conflict, and how we react to that as a parent. That, that just um, stepped all over my toes. Like, yeah. does does my kid know that when they're, you know, I've got little kids right now, but they're going to be big kids yeah. someday, and I want them to have a predictable pattern on how <laughs> dad handles a tough conversation because I don't That's want right. them to wonder whether or not it's okay to go to me in that moment. Oh, yeah. So one one promise that Krish and I made to each other when our kids were little is we said, regardless of whatever Hudson and Mitchell ever experience or do in life or get into or whatever, you know, bad thing that they, they've done. Yeah. If they ever bring us news, we've committed. We will never be shocked. Wow. In that moment. We'll never be shocked in that moment. Gosh. You, oh, you just did what? Okay. All right. The how, how you feeling on the inside? Thank, sometimes? Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, son. Then, then when they're not in the room and she and I are just, you know, together, that's when we're crying. Yeah. That's when we're laughing. That's when we're screaming. That's when we're pulling our hair out. (laughs) But in the moment, we never wanted our kids to know that they could shock us. Yeah. You want to give them something predictable. That's right. We wanted to give them some predictable communication to let them understand, hey, Mom and dad, you know, they're going to they're going to hold it together regardless of whatever we tell them, because we always wanted to be the kind of people that they could come to regardless of what's going on in their life, regardless of how crazy the story is or whatever they did. Yeah, uh, we wanted them to know that we love them, 
there's we always want to maintain those open lines of communication and you know we'll lose our mess together in private yeah. and we'll you know yeah. that kind of thing but with them going back to predictability that built trust yeah that built trust over the years and so we've seen it now now that my boys are 26 and 23 we we those lines of communication we're seeing the the benefit of that now so yeah. i'm glad you brought up the parenting example that's true and i i have a little bit more of an insider view into your life because i know your boys and they're fantastic and and i've seen what you just said come true where they come to you now yeah. and that's that's what you want that's what you um, want so before we leave the topic of predictable patterns, one other thing that I'm thinking about, and this is a super, super practical thing, we're talking about like predictability within like a group setting or a leadership meeting or whatever it is. Uh, we're talking about ways to respond, but also before and we talked about having the conversation before the conversation and a practical way to have the conversation before the conversation is something you do fantastically. You remind people in advance Hey, are we still on for that meeting today? Like anytime I've ever had a meeting with you, I've always got a text that mm-hmm. morning confirming it. And it's a nice way of, of having the conversation before the conversation. Yeah. But I know that it is a predictable pattern in you. Yeah. I know that like, yeah. and, and it's gotten so much so that I'll even do it, try to beat you to it now. <laughs> I did it this morning, I didn't I? It. Yes, you did. Yeah. You, and you, I got that from you. It's a predictable yeah. pattern. So I would say that if you're a group leader and you're choosing to, to remind people, whether it's a couple days out or a day out, make that predictable. Don't just do it once. Like find whatever your pattern is and your reminders are and make them predictable. Yeah. Brian, one of the things that resonates with me with that is I learned a long time ago. Um, I, I was afraid to communicate with people because uh, I was afraid of disappointing people. And so I avoided it. And when I learned the four types of communication, there's passive communication, there's aggressive communication, <laughs> there's passive aggressive communication, oh, gosh. and there's assertive communication. And what I recognized is good leaders assertively communicate. Yeah. Okay. And that helped me build trust with people. And what, and what you communicate shows people what you value. And when you text them, you know, once a week checking on them. Hey, reminding them the group is this Thursday at 7 p.m. Yeah. When you text them the day of, hey, what it communicates is it communicates is you're gently communicating your expectations. Yep. And it puts it on people's radar. People are not thinking about our groups. They're just not they're thinking about their spouse, their kids, their work, their problems, their yeah. parents, their issues, their whatever. And we have to consistently stay in front of them assertively. I'm not saying be. Uh, you know, annoying with it, but assertive communication comes from confidence and it comes from value and this sense of responsibility. So I'm going to encourage everybody who is listening to this that, Hey, take a next step in assertive communication. Mm -hmm. If you are assuming that everybody knows to show up at your house at seven o'clock every Thursday night, and there's no communication between group experiences. Yeah. I think you're assuming too much. Yeah. I think you're assuming that people care. They don't. (laughs) They don't. And so what helps me is just that slight reminder, because what it does is it also catches people. I did it this morning with several people I've got meetings with today, and it lets people subtly know, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah. You're important. I'm expecting to see you. You're important to me. Yeah. And also, if there's a problem and if you've got to get, get new tires on your car or whatever and you can't be there, 
I need you to tell me now because yeah. I've got some other things I need to do. Yeah, we 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 should never be, barring some crazy emergency, we should never get to group and be shocked right. that people didn't show up. That's right. We should start that. We should initiate that conversation. A lot of times, I think we feel like, well, it's their responsibility to let us know if they're not no. there. Well, yeah. it's probably yeah. more important to us as the group leader. It is the one who's been praying about this, thinking about this. Right. So, so just take the extra step, and it's easy. <clears throat> It's an easy yeah. extra step. Yeah. It doesn't take you any time at all. And it keeps that communication alive through the week as well. That's right. Don't forget that assertive communication is just part of leadership. Yeah. It's part of group leadership. It's just, it, and it doesn't take much time at all, but it sends a very um, strong message yeah. to your people. Will you say those four types of communication? One more time? Yeah, there's there's passive communication. Yep. I'm just, I'm just going to avoid it. Yep. I'm, I'm not even going to talk about it. There's aggressive communication when your children, you know, uh, do something in the house and you've told them not to ten oh, yeah. times and they do it anyway. And that aggressive communication comes out where you're staring them in the eye and yeah. your your voice is raised a little bit, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. There's passive aggressive communication, oh. which we all have felt that and we all hate it. And we've all probably used it at some point. We all hate it. Yeah. It's this, you know, aggressive, passive way of people communicating, yeah. you know, sending us subtle messages, cynicism, sarcasm, all that kind of stuff. And then there's just assertive communication yep. and it's that commitment to, I'm going to honor people. Uh, and this is also the way you honor people's time too, but I'm going to honor people and show them value by communicating. We communicate with people that we value. Yeah. We communicate with people that we value. And when you just find small little ways to even, it's just a text or yeah. an email, it shows that that person is value and you're thinking about them. And if you feel like you're not choosing a form of communication, you are, in fact, choosing yes a form of communication. Are. Most of us are avoiding. Yeah. Uh, and and so when you assertively communicate, you will stand out. You just will. Yeah. And people will appreciate it. They just will. They will appreciate it. And it's one way that you serve and love your people that you're working with. So good. I'm going to run back over the the five things that great leaders do to prepare for a conversation. They honor people's time. They have a plan for the meeting. They have the conversation before the conversation. They use discernment or they'll surround themselves with an ally or a wingman, someone else that can utilize discernment and they can learn and grow from that. And they practice predictable patterns. Five great takeaways. Eric, thank you so much for having a conversation with me. This was fantastic. And I cannot wait to do it again. Dude, thanks for the invitation. Meanwhile, I'm going to go find me some new shoes. Let's do it. I'll go shoe shopping with you. (laughs) 